0: Welcome to another episode of Film Panic. This just might be the first one you're seeing, depending on how we release these. Um, (laughs) Today we have uh, Jordan, who is hosting. Say hi, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Uh, That's Jordan. And uh, our competitors today are me, obviously, um, Nostalgic, and Carson Runquist. Introduce yourself, Carson. Hello. It's good to be
1: here. Thanks for having me. What do you,
0: what, what, what do you do on, on the old
1: YouTube? Oh person. yeah, I am, uh, I do a lot of film content. I would just say video essays, but now it's kind of turned into a bunch <laughs> of different <laughs> you things. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> no, I basically like, I, I make videos that talk about film and TV. It depends. It could be a rank. It could be a video essay, it could be a review. It, it varies, but, uh, that's kind of so what I do. So can we expect, can we expect a video on Spring Breakers? I, <laughs> so I have had a video on Spring Breakers in the in the can is that the right term i've had it for a while like was it made <laughs> is it done it, there is like half a script on why spring breakers has aged well i really firmly that's believe not a it joke. Has, but i think the <laughs> i think there's a lot of people out there who would disagree and i don't <clears> think that <throat> video would end well so <laughs> i am thinking that one through before i put a lot of work wait into so
0: there it. there really there really is half a script somewhere
1: yeah, as of like two. Oh that's God. why. I, yeah, we we brought it up. I like two months ago. I came up with the idea. I was like, you know what? I should talk about Spring Breakers. It's been almost ten years. I think it's a way different movie to look at now, and uh, I think it's who did Bling Ring? Was game. that Sophia Coppola or was that Harmony Korine? Who did what? Bling oh, Ring. Bling Ring. That was Sophia Coppola, which I also that's just watched.
0: Thought, which reminds me a lot of Spring Breakers in tone, and and really aesthetic. I think Spring Breakers is. Is so close to being great, but it it it's just not subversive enough. Like mm-hmm. you have James Franco being a Corn Road rapper, like you could have done so much more. Mm-hmm. with I just these d- the weirdness of this d- movie,
2: just d- like ninety eight percent of that film. What is the two percent? I'd love to hear this. Uh, the credits. <laughs> oh
1: man, <laughs>
0: that's fair. Have you seen any of uh, of Harmony Korine's other films, Jordan? Um,
2: I haven't seen Beach Bum. I haven't seen Beach Bum. So I don't I don't know off the top of my head anything else they've done.
1: As someone who what has else? seen Beach Bum, I would like I I would say that's the most accessible. It's a lot of fun. Um, I
2: thought
0: Spring Breakers was accessible. It had a bunch of Disney stars in it, which <laughs> it, clearly <laughs> they for the took family. these roles. Well, they took these roles specifically to break. Like both Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez were coming right off of their runs on Disney, mm-hmm. so there were they, there were those kind of like shaving the head moments for them, where it was like, all right, yeah. we're we're adults now. Where we're, we want to be taken seriously as adults, so let's get naked. So let's do James the Rambo. getaway
2: with Ethan Hawke. Oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, 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 forgot about that one. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyways, um, let's get into some housekeeping really quickly before we start, because this is new for you guys. So the way this works is really simple. Today, you are getting this episode everywhere at the same time. The way this works is, me and Karsten are going to enter what we like to call a little debate. And uh, you guys choose the winner. So they'll be. We'll present our arguments. We'll go at one another, and then when it's all said and done, as members of the Patreon, the Nostalgic Patreon. If if you're here, you know about it already. <laughs> for this first episode, <laughs> everybody that's a member of the Nostalgic Patreon will get a chance to vote. You can vote for Karsten. You can vote for me. You can vote for the movie, the the director, whatever it is you feel like came out on top. You can place the votes there. In the future. There will be a two week delay before these videos or these episodes go on Apple Music and Spotify. Patrons, you will get it first. You will get every episode of Film Panic two weeks in advance and one episode a month completely exclusively. Um, And yeah, Jordan, am I forgetting anything?
2: That sounds. Pretty thorough. I did a good job. Yeah,
0: I did a great job. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> so your votes really do matter, though. So the way it works is every single percentage a competitor gets. So me or Karsten or Middle Age or Jordan, every, every every percentage we get of the vote is a point we get. So if I win by sixty-seven percent to thirty-three percent, I get sixty-seven points. At the end of the season, those points determine the bracket for the playoffs. And the playoffs determine the champion for that season. So That's this
2: is—it's
0: a—it is—it's a competitive podcast. I mean, I'm here to make sure Carson doesn't want to show his face on the internet again. So it's—it's—it's—it's <laughs> <laughs> wow. a, it's a, going to be a good time. Um, yeah so today uh Carson you want to tell I, I don't think we decided on how to pro this conversation is I don't know what the title of it is but me and Carson had a long conversation It was what do we what do we land on Carson the, what is the question we're doing I think who is so the
1: most we're calling the question what is who is the most exciting uh, director working today
0: uh, okay but yeah.
1: only like limiting that to and this is where it gets weird to like contemporary filmmakers um, yeah. where we just distinguish- people who are
0: actively producing a lot of film.
1: Basically. Yeah, it's a weird or line at least
0: to enough. Yeah, because what we didn't want to do is like have every director that's still alive mm-hmm. and maybe not producing very much film as a part of this conversation. We really want to talk about very contemporary directors, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's what we're doing today. Um, whoever you think has the best argument, well, that's who you place your vote for. Uh, Jordan, your host, take it away, man.
2: Well, so uh, today. We have both competitors here. We got Carson on one side. All right. We got Mr. Pee Wee Herman, nostalgic, (laughs) on the other side. You sound like Pee Wee Herman. Listen, (laughs) here's what we got. We got two directors. All right, one for each of them, and they're going to present them right now. Carson, who did you choose for the director you'll be defending and you know debating for?
1: Um, so I unsurprisingly chose Wes Anderson. Uh, this honestly, I would say I ran through a list of names, (laughs) but I really didn't. Your choice. This is. <laughs> this was pretty uh, instant for me. Um, I just think he has achieved. He just now is getting into his best stuff. I think uh, he's more accessible than he's ever been, and I think his style is stronger than anyone else works. I have
0: today. a funny feeling we are going to really disagree about one Uh-oh, thing you just word. said. <laughs> <We're>, yep. I <laughs> one thing. And I don't think that last word you used. <laughs> 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 I chose um, a bit. Uh, Maybe a lesser known. I think he is lesser known. Um, maybe mm-hmm. his name is lesser known. Maybe not his films. But I chose Denis Villeneuve. He's a, a French-Canadian director. Um, I did go through a bunch of names in my head. Um, <laughs> I went through Barry Jenkins, who directed Moonlight and If Beals Street Talk. I think he is so talented. But he's also only made two larger films, bigger budget films. Three technically, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think that was enough filmography for me. Um, I, I went to Tarantino. <laughs> I did, but that felt too easy. So I was, I didn't want to be the guy, you know, the Tarantino guy right now. So um, <laughs> I passed on that one. I thought about Damien Chazelle, who Jordan knows, is that guy's. I, I love Damien Chazelle so much. Um, I thought about Luca Guadagnino, who directed uh, The Suspiria Remake and Call Me by Your Name. But I think Denis um, two very exemplifies, different. Films, by the way. It was Suspiria and Call Me By Your Name. Very
2: different So films. different like, Keeping but, us on his toes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I can't, yeah, I can't so. wait for his next one where it's just like a full big budget superhero film. This the, yeah. yeah the two going and a half hour horror movie. Yeah, two and a <laughs> half hour
0: horror movie and then a very indie Failure to coming launch of age Italian movie. Jesus. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so yeah, it's Denis Villeneuve versus Wes Anderson, which is the weirdest sentence I've said this month. Um, <laughs> and uh, Jordan, go ahead and lead us in the main arguments, man.
2: All right, so it's going to be the leading argument, the starting argument. So go ahead. You have ten minutes on the clock. As soon as I stop talking, Carson, whenever you're ready, uh, take it away.
1: Awesome. So I, like I said, I think Wes Anderson is the best filmmaker working today, um, and I say that because the the first reason is I think he's just getting started. Which is weird to say, considering he's, I want to say, like, nine films deep. Yeah, I think um, so. And when I say just getting started, I mean, like, how much freedom he has with his creativity. Like, here's the deal. He's historically been known as being the, quote-unquote, quirky, kind of underground guy. Perfect and he, I guess he still is. Um, but he's always been, like, a bit of an outsider. Uh, like, he's had his fan base, he's been respected, but, you know, he's not mainstream, I guess is the best term to say it. Uh, and it's a not- weird
0: line with Wes Anderson, but I know what you mean.
1: Of course, yeah. Um, I think up until I, I think up until recently, his stories have always been uh, tough to get across without the money attached. I think he's never been able to finance his films to their fullest ability, and I think now is he's got more freedom than ever with the help of a few Oscar nominations, the acclaim that came with Isle of Dogs, and by Oscar nominations, I specifically mean Grand Budapest Hotel. I think that was a defining moment in his career. I think he's built up a bit of a reputation for himself. I think if Wes comes to a studio with an idea, and I think he typically goes to the same studio, they're going to do whatever they can to make it happen at this point. And this is I all agree. getting... I mean,
0: Isle of Dogs is half in Japanese, so I agree at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think this is all getting a bigger point across that I kind of meant or mentioned earlier, is that he has blown through financial barriers. I believe we still haven't gotten his best work Because of that, um, I mean, looking at Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs, or Isle of Dogs, yeah, I said it correctly the first time, it's clear that his films continue to look better than his last, his scripts expand into larger ideas, and he keeps topping himself. Uh, the French Dispatch comes out this fall, and based on the trailer and synopsis, this seems like it's going to be his biggest film yet, his biggest cast yet, his best cinematography. It could be his best But it's going to be film. his
0: biggest Wes Anderson film, though, right? Like, I watched that trailer, too, and everything about it screams Wes Anderson.
1: Exactly. It seems like his magnum opus. And we're, once, like I said earlier, we're nine films deep. Um, so... Like I was saying, whereas with most of the greatest filmmakers alive, it feels like they only peak at an early age and put out great work for the rest of their careers. There's nothing wrong with, they, with what they put out for the rest of their careers, but they peak early on. I feel like we are not even at Wes Anderson's peak in terms of his uh, filmmaking. Really? Um, so would you,
0: would, would you call Grand Budapest his
1: best film then? Uh, I think that's his best film. I, it's not my favorite film, but I do think that's, yeah, that, that, that would be his best so far. Um, Interesting but i i honestly believe i love dogs is a better film but that's oh my god! we can get, gosh, we can get to that later that's yeah, a we can get to whole, that later. whole separate argument um <laughs> moving on uh my other reason is that his films while specific are now more universal and accessible than ever this is disagree i think the hot take here um and by <laughs> by that i mean i think he is not only the best director but uh and I guess this kind of goes with the original argument. My man
0: I both- made a, made a my man made an animated movie half in Japanese.
1: I just want yeah, to point that out. I'm I <laughs> I think he's. Here's the thing. Now more than ever, his films are incredibly distinct from one another. And you might be like, "What are you talking about? They all look the exact same." But here's the thing: earlier in his career, you could argue that the color palette and tone of, say, Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, and Darjeeling Limited all felt pretty similar, and that they all had a bit of a like yellow, warm uh tone to them the cinematography Agreed. was very similar and you could say the same thing about what he's making now but let me get through this his last three <laughs> films including french dispatch by last three films i'm referring to French dispatch isle of dogs six grand budapest left.
0: hmm six oh, minutes, six minutes? No, he's oh he's okay. not used oh, okay. to just it time yet time he doesn't right. know what we would yeah. tell
1: him <laughs> just <laughs> starting sweating uh <laughs> <laughs> they all look like nothing he's ever done and they don't honestly look that similar to one another in terms of like tone and color palette. To have a and that's between huge. which films? Like French Dispatch, Grand Budapest Hotel, Isle of Dogs. They all okay. have the symmetry and they all have the Agreed. Wes Anderson style, but they all look completely different. To have Agreed. a Wes Anderson film that feels nothing like he's done before, which is what he's doing now, that is huge. Because let me pitch you a hypothetical. I say I say that because <laughs> if, Wes, if Wes Anderson were to let's pretend Darjeeling Limited never came out and he would re- okay. he were to release that today. Um, which I think is an underrated film by the way. Uh, that's, you know what, I don't hmm? never mind, we'll move on uh, <laughs> that is opening quite the can of worms but if he were to release that today having already done everything he's done um, we'd be able to see it and say like that looks like a Wes Anderson movie, that looks like something we've seen before, right. and again this is hypothetical, it never happened um, now that he's making films that feel larger and more unique than his own style, he would never make Dargely Unlimited today, we can in confidence say that they look like nothing we've seen before. They we're coming into them completely new. And I think that makes it. a, that more a po- universal... But is,
0: is that a positive thing, though? I mean, is it is it is it a good thing that films that do stand out in his filmography mm-hmm. as as being a bit different? I mean, Darjeeling is really a road trip movie. It's, it's mm-hmm. grander in scope, and it's on a train. But, like, is it a good thing that Wes Anderson's at a point where a movie like Darjeeling Limited seems... Unacceptable within that filmography were to come out today.
1: I wouldn't call it unacceptable. Uh, I would just say it. I, I would say it is a good thing, yeah, because it, it shows a bit more variety. Um, okay. It just improves the chances of someone who maybe doesn't like Wes Anderson coming in and, and actually enjoying something that he makes. Because um, that's a huge thing. I'm, I'm glad. So you think Darjeeling? You think Darjeeling is is is, a, is an inaccessible film? At
0: its
2: foundation. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that and a lot of his earlier stuff, yeah. I I think they all blend together. And if you don't, if you've seen one scene of them, you've seen them all. And for some people, they really like that. Me being one of them. But for a lot of people. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, but see? (laughs) Um, But like I was saying, I think this makes him a more universal filmmaker because with all the details and color tones and characters that come with these new, more independently definable films, the Wes Anderson bias that so many fans and. enemies haters. his yeah haters <laughs> that's a better word is completely gone he's in a sense transcended past his own style to such an extremity at this point that it allows for anyone regardless of if they are a wes anderson fan or not to come out enjoying something and that's that's
0: interesting i i i think
1: um
0: three I, warning. I, at three minute warning i don't want to say I, might, I was gonna say this with a count i just i think I think it's hard – I understand what you're saying. I just think it's so hard to separate Wes Anderson from a Wes Anderson film mm-hmm. at this point. And I don't think that Isle of Dogs in particular does that any better than any other Wes Anderson film. You know, That's, it's – yeah. It, uh, Grand Budapest is the same thing, right? You're getting – I think Grand Budapest was an evolution of his technicality and mm-hmm. his ability to express himself on a kind of a grander scale mm-hmm. filmically. But I don't know. I Just and me personally to say that, you know – He's transcended his style. I think, if anything, he's almost, <laughs> he's kind of perfecting it, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, is he, I mean, if it, look at French Dispatch. If you show that to anybody that's seen any other Wes Anderson film, do you think they'd be able to, uh, to identify that's a Wes Anderson film?
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think his so style. Positive? Yeah, I think that's positive. I think, historically, his style has aimed to capture, like, this childhood storybook almost like diorama type feeling and when he the closer he gets to perfecting that and mastering that the more immersive that style becomes and once he's like going all out with it and you're going full storybook i think that even if you don't like his style you're in there because of just what that style is achieving on its own if that makes any sense Um, because like yeah grand budapest hotel it looks like a diorama like you could just go right inside of that world but it's like darjeeling limited life aquatic because those didn't have the kind of budget that these new films have they didn't have the creative freedom they just look like movies that have this weird style to them whereas now they're like past movie if you know what i mean they're but but do you think the substance underneath that style has grown at all
0: I mean, I think obviously he's a better filmmaker than he was with Bottle mm-hmm. Rocket, but I mean, is is anything underneath that style any more substantive now than Vital it was minute. in Moonrise Kingdom?
1: Um, that is a tougher question to answer because I think Isle of Dogs, and this is why I thought it was so which is weird. the quality of a film, right? Like, is it superficiality? Yeah, right. Yeah, I just think I. That's why I'm excited to see French Dispatch. I don't, I don't doubt what you said. I think his his scripts have not gone gotten a lot better grand budapest yeah, hotel i don't think he's grown that much yeah I, I don't think i don't think he's grown
0: that much and, and I'll, I'll let you finish your main and then i'll, 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 I'll come in the counter you got yeah. 30 seconds
2: uh that was pretty much my main so actually i <laughs> <laughs> you go right ahead. <laughs> all right okay. so now let's lead into uh about five minutes here to kind of have a discussion about that full counterpoints, and then uh we'll move on for the uh argument on the other side for nerdstalgic so let's go ahead and jump into it whenever you're ready
0: uh, I mean, my counter is, I mean, I, I want to say before I start my counter that I love Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're talking about the most exciting director or even the best director, which is really the crux of what we're talking about mm-hmm. here, there has to be growth, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Wes Anderson is growing stylistically, right? I mean, he he is. But I think Isle of Dogs is, is an, an exceptional achievement, right? But I don't know that Grand Budapest is... I don't know that there's growth in, 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 in his voice, right? I think stylistically, of course, that's what Wes Anderson excels at, right, is, is he's a director of, of the superficial. And mm-hmm. while I think there is so much that he has to say, there is so much substance underneath that, I don't know that he's grown as kind of a filmmaker as a whole, right? I mean, do you disagree? I mean, do you not agree there's at least some stagnation underneath the kind of growth
1: in the beauty of his films? I do disagree. I think there is a ton of growth in. I think there's a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. I just think, I think that it's
0: it's not enough
1: Mm -hmm. for me. And are you referring to Grand Budapest Hotel?
0: Not not particularly. I'm really. I mean, what do we have? Like nine films. I mean, I'm really talking about if you look at if I were to take something like Rushmore, right, Mm -hmm. and compare that to something like Moonrise. Yeah, I don't know that. The substance, what's underneath Moonrise's facade is all that more interesting or uh, of quality than what there was in Rushmore.
1: Yeah, and I'll get on board with that. I don't I don't think Moonrise is – personally, I think that's his worst film, but that's a uh, different okay. – that's, I guess, a hot take. Um, but ignoring that, I still think that's part of the era I was talking about earlier with Darjeeling Limited and Life I think right. that's pre yeah. – anything pre-Grand Budapest really. I love Life Aquatic. Yeah, I, Life Aquatic's life aquatic. total, so underrated. Um, yeah, I love Life Aquatic. But the thing that he, and I guess I'll ignore Isle of Dogs here, but I can already tell with French Dispatch, and what I think is super interesting about Grand Budapest is he's playing with different aspect ratios, time periods. So, my problem many really is my problem with Wes
0: Anderson, really, is I feel like at a certain point. There is this feeling of, okay, I've seen this before, and I am saying this, and Carson, you know this, and Jordan, you know this, I love Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, it does feel like watching the Fresh Dispatch trailer, it's like, all right, well, cool. He's added Timothy Chalamet and, and Saoirse Ronan to, 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 to the Two roster, but this is, this is still kind of that Wes Anderson thing. I feel like, I don't feel like he's evolved beyond his style being a bit of a gate, right? I do think that Wes Anderson lacks versatility. I do think that Wes Anderson lacks a diversity in his filmography that makes a director excited. I love Wes Anderson, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I think his style informs his substance. Whereas I think the substance of a film, what it is, what it's saying should inform the style. There is no way you're going to get a Wes Anderson film with a script that doesn't coincide with his stylistic sensibilities. And that prevents him from doing more, doing different things. I think it prevents him from growth in a way. Really, it's, it's his style is, is so unique and so idiosyncratic and, and so isolated from the rest of the film that I don't think he even, and not to use a weird term here, but I don't know if he has the balls to say, okay, let's let the substance of a script that I haven't played with before inform how I approach this film stylistically.
1: Yeah, You know what I mean? I, I see what you mean. But at the same time, and how much time do we have left? Can I get a reminder?
2: <laughs> yeah, we have we have a minute and 10 seconds left.
1: Okay. um, We can go over a little bit. We can go over yeah, a little
2: If bit. you need to go over a little bit to make your point, absolutely.
1: Okay. I, I just wanted to bring up that I think what I said earlier, I think he is an exception in a way in that. I, and I don't think he's... That's a, that's a risky word. That's a risky word, yes. But the thing is, his films at their core are world builders. Um and I think what he's doing recently. I don't disagree with that. How he's growing is not by necessarily adding substance to the characters, but just expanding these worlds and giving and in the process of doing so, gives the audience more to work with and more versatility. Yeah, and I think
0: he's never had a problem building character. I've always loved his yeah. characters. Always. Mm-hmm. I just I just I, I, I just I, I guess I think that it would be nice to see if i'm going to say okay this director is the best right now working i would mm-hmm. like to see range mm-hmm. right like yes thematically Wes Anderson is toyed with bas- with basically everything right any 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 thematically he is <clears>
2: out <throat> of time he's he's
0: he's, <laughs> he's 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 expanded throughout his filmography right on uh, the things he wants to talk about the things he has to say i just think that I shouldn't sit down to a film and know what I'm getting. One of the reasons I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so much with Tarantino is I did not expect that film, right? I mm-hmm. did not expect this kind of meandering, almost plotless. It's um, Seinfeld
2: the movie. <clears throat>
0: yeah, this this almost, right, an epi- a movie. Of, yeah, exactly. It's
2: a movie about uh, nothing. There's and, nothing yeah.
0: and, going and, on. And it's still Tarantino. You still get that, that catharsis, that violent catharsis at the end of the movie. But that's really it. When it yeah. comes to, and you get a, you, you, it's just, it's a movie that if I didn't tell you was a Tarantino movie, there's a chance that you would go, who made this? Where I mm-hmm. don't think Wes Anderson has made a film in the past 10 years where you can say that, but okay. That's, I, I've went way over. Carson, do you, any, any last words? Which <laughs> sounds ominous, uh, but I didn't mean it to. So.
1: <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I have no last words. All I have to say is maybe that last point you made, maybe it's not a bad thing. That you can't say that about a Wes Anderson movie, but that's fair. That's uh, I'll, I'll get into that in the final point, but we can that's we can fair. move on. All uh, right, yeah.
2: so we're gonna put ten more minutes here on for the discussion. All right, nerdstalgic, uh, you're gonna go with Denis Villeneuve, and you're gonna uh, defend your point with uh, with him being the uh, the most exciting working director. So what a way to say that name! I love that. It's <laughs> a, I just love saying it. All right, so let's get into it. And when I'm done talking, feel free to start whenever. Um,
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, we are having a weird conversation, right? Really, it's about best director, and I think qualifying that is kind of difficult. But I do think there are good ways of approaching this, and one which we've already touched on is versatility. Um, I mean, if you look at his filmography, Prisoners is a mystery thriller, which is almost noir-like at times. Enemy is what I call an idea film, which is like a movie built on premise and script, which is at times almost genreless, and then he goes off and does Sicario, which is an intelligence film that plays throughout it like a modern war movie. It's direct social commentary and dramatically widens the scope of of his previous two films, and then you hit Arrival. It's like a roller coaster, and you hit this turn, and now you're talking about a genre film that fits axiomatically into the sci-fi spectrum and deals with language in a way I think few films have ever attempted to. But the point is, it's wildly different in almost every way than his previous filmography. And if that wasn't enough diversity, he moves on to Blade Runner 2049, which is arguably a blockbuster. It's, it's a franchise film, and, and it turns his sci-fi leanings into an exploration of what a technology-driven dystopia would look like relevant to today. It is, again, unlike any other film in his catalog, stylistically, directorially. Here, he's tasked with building and modernizing a world that we've seen before, and that's a monumental task and one that was foreign to him. It was a challenge. Um, and you, you even go back to Polytechnique, which is a, a black and white movie <laughs> about a school shooting. It's just, there's there's so much diversity there and there's so much challenge as a filmmaker to approach mm-hmm. and to overcome. And there's even meta-diversity, honestly. I mean, Blade Runner is a sequel. Enemy is an adaptation, as is Arrival. Sicario is based on an original screenplay. I mean, he isn't just running the entire gamut of what's possible in film. It, it really feels like he's seeking the challenge he's running into the wall and i think
1: we don't see that with someone like Wes anderson and i I think because of go ahead um okay i well really quick this is my quick objection um i would say i i agree i think he has a lot of diversity in terms of versatility um or in what he in what he chooses to uh direct and the stories he chooses to tell yeah that's very diverse But the ways in which he tells each of those stories, it is more consistent. I will give him that. But maybe that's an an unexciting thing? Well, Uh, I
0: disagree with that, too. I think... I think because of the because of the stories he chooses to tell and that diversity, we do see a growth in his filmmaking in a way yeah. that directors aren't are, are, are normally capable of, which I think we see less of in Wes Anderson, like we talked about. I think Anderson is such an auteur and his vision is so singular and maybe even narrow that you almost – you know exactly what you're getting, like we talked about. I think maybe with the exception of Enemy, which is a very good movie and – but it's probably his least successful film, which I'll get to. Every movie he's made has been in some way, or in every way, better than his last. He's allowing his style to suit his films. He's building them around the subject matter, whereas Anderson, I think, is informing the subject matter around the style. And it's, it's not this copy and paste machine on top of everything. And that means the aerial wide shots of Sicario, thanks to Roger Deakins, by the way, give way to claustrophobic hallway close-ups at Enemy, and the color palette of Blade Runner feels and looks nothing at all like the dirty, bad Tuesday morning sci-fi aesthetic, as he called it, of Arrival. It's hard to make that argument for someone like Anderson. I disagree. I do think he is, from a technicality standpoint, I think he's utilizing a camera in, in different ways in every film. You could even see it in the color palette, like I just mentioned. If you take one frame from all of Denny's films and place them next to each other, you'd get this really beautiful progressive color spectrum where I think with Anderson, you'd probably get like a collage <laughs> of, co- of color, mm-hmm. which which is great. That's Anderson's strong suit. And, and I think if we want to stick with growth in in substance, I think there is a consistency, you're right, that I'd argue is Wes Six Anderson's greatest greatest talent as well. But I think what Denny does in the face of many different kinds of films is just as consistent as Anderson with more nuance. I mean, Wes is all about exploring and elevating the human experience in quirky ways. We, we know this, you especially, Karsten. You, I think you're a, a bigger fan of Anderson than even I am. Um, every one of his movies are really stylized explorations of very shared and sometimes mundane elements of our lives. School, mm-hmm. parenthood, language, and Isle of Dogs, which I thought was exceptionally well explored. That's Wes's strength. But I think he needs a kind of formula to express his thoughts on those things. I think he needs the West formula to express his thoughts on those things. And I don't think Denny does. Mm-hmm. And yet they're just as thematically consistent. Every one of Denny's films root themselves in the human experience, like Anderson. The difference between a good film, in my opinion, and a bad one is sometimes just how well – that's articulated, how well the human experience is articulated, how well these questions are articulated, or better yet, if the film has anything interesting at all to say about the human experience, which I think they both explore. Arrival is an incredibly human story, which me and Jordan talked about, about grief, loss, the human cycle of violence, and, like Isle of Dogs, language, and yet under all of that subtext, it manages to remain grounded in the face of literal aliens, which is a huge challenge for a science fiction film. It's really a conversation about how we as humans communicate and how our experiences shape the way we do. Would you change the present to avoid the future if it means losing someone you love? That's a complex human question that a rival attempts to answer, and I think, and Jordan, I think you'd agree, does so in spectacular fashion. But then you move to Prisoners, and, I, and this is kind of a direct retort to what you were saying, Carson. That's a movie about a kidnapping that accomplishes the very same things. But it does not accomplish them stylistically. Prisoners is a very claustrophobic feeling movie. It, it feels so uh, almost detached from its subject matter at times, whereas Arrival is is it latches onto its characters, latches onto Amy Adams. It, it feels like the film is driving her, whereas Prisoners feels like it's it's a more character-driven film. It it, it's and it still says something. It's there's you can find the message in that story across multiple genres. Being able to do that across multiple genres to me is like being able to play professional baseball and basketball at a high level. You just don't see it that often. And again, Mm -hmm. that's in technique as well. If you look at Scario, then he is making a movie about humans, not bad guys. So throughout the film, the camera is more focused on reaction than the action. In something like Jurassic Park. That builds tension. Here, he's building character utilizing those elements. But you do not see that same approach to, in something like Polytechnique. He, you use Sicario again, he humanizes that the Mexican police officer throughout the film, spending time with him and his son, so that we understand his role as a parent. And then we understand his role in the cartel later in the movie. And we have to question what a bad guy is. That's, that's the right way to bring Three a minutes. screenplay to life. And and I think as his scope widens, the heart of his films remain in focus. I think that's the difference between Anderson and, and Villeneuve, which is he's he's maintaining the heart that I think makes both of these directors' films so great while still exploring other
1: ways to tell these stories. But that's, I think – go ahead, Garson. I No, actually, finish your thought before I get into it. Well,
0: I, I think – and that comes down to another thing you said. I think it's accessibility. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and I told you when we started, this is a stickler for me. I think where Denis really separates himself from people like Anderson is accessibility. I think Denis has managed to break into the mainstream without compromising the quality or even the nature of his films in the same way that maybe someone like David Fincher has. Nothing he does is sententious. It doesn't preach at you, Arrival, Blade Runner, Sicario. These are still blockbuster movies though. They are films for everyone. There is no, I guess you can call it stylistic gatekeeping here. Anderson's films can, for some, not me, and I don't think any of us, but for some, be off-putting. They're like a strange, colorful, hyper-reality. So you have people speaking in rhythm, almost. Colors are vibrant. They're surreal. And that can be kind of a block for people, a mental block, a gate. And while I love Anderson, and I think he's a genius, it is hard to classify films like Life Aquatic or I Love Dogs, which is, again, half in Japanese, Mm -hmm. as accessible. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know that I would call if if a six-year-old was sitting next to me watching Isle of Dogs, I do think that they would be like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. What, is, what, is, what is being, I mean, I don't know that I would call that film accessible. Anderson's fans, which myself, myself is included in that, by the way, are, are placed in this little club, it feels like, sometimes because of that. It feels like there's a barrier to entry, almost, that you have to get past. And you should, I don't think you should have to get past something with a film. We don't. We love his style. But I don't think it's for everybody. Whereas Denis' films, I don't think they fit into any sort of bubble. Like Much like Christopher Nolan's, and let's put it this way, I wouldn't hand a franchise like Dune to Wes Anderson, right? Yet I can think of very few franchises I wouldn't trust Denis with. Mm -hmm. And I know I want to close out with, I, I know one of the arguments for Wes is that he's a master of imagery. He treats every frame like it's a piece of moving art. And he does so spectacularly well, by the way. But I also think that Denis does that in ways, and sometimes better, and he can keep pace. Not necessarily all the time, but working with cinematographers like Roger Dinkins certainly helps, obviously. But it's hard to deny that the incredible visions that Denis is able to put to screen are just that. The giant hologram reaching out and poking Gosling, in Blade Runner is one of my favorite sci-fi images ever. The sequence of the aliens writing on the glass in Arrival, which, by the way, is a fully functioning language Denis and his screenwriter created for the movie. Or the tarantula at the end of... um, at the end of an enemy, or the big spider walking through the city—it's it's even some simple two, imagery, like the in-camera one. editing he does in the first cartel house in Sicario, where you really see this house of horrors. I think Denny, Denny does a lot of what Wes does really well. I just think he does more well on top of that, right? I, I just—there are a few images that I can think of in film that rival, at least modern images, some of the images from denny's work i mean christopher nolan would come to mind fincher would come to mind and westwood but i I think that's a place where there may be there's some reasonable uh, equal anyways
2: counter time jordan take us away all right so now karsten if any big points big objections the time to kind of discuss and counter what he just went through you got five minutes to discuss back and forth amongst yourselves so uh yeah whenever you're ready take it away
1: (laughs) Understood. Um, so I think Wes and Denis have two very similar things about them. One, they both have Timothy Chalamet in their movies this year. That's just a fun fact. <laughs> second, um, I'm excited about that. By the way, <laughs> I'm very excited to see that. Uh, but I second, love Timothy Chalamet. Good
2: old th- Timmy Shimmy. Oh,
1: we're, we're all here for Timmy. Um, <laughs> okay, I think go. they're both masters of presentation, like you said. Yeah. I think Denny is fantastic at how he presents ideas. I love his films. I you were able to give a disclaimer that you love Wes I should say this before I get too loose (laughs) is I love Denis Villeneuve's films Um, but here's the thing the difference between him and Wes they're both masters of the presentation but the thing about Denis is that I still don't know much about him I think he is really good at his job in that he's able to bring an idea and create the mood for it I mean he's doing that for story he's but he's a chameleon yeah, exactly. He's very ambitious with what he chooses. Like he's like he's chosen Dune, which was a box office flop. Um and he chose uh, made by
0: an incredible director by the way, so that's really scary.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh yeah. I'm very curious to see how Dune turns out this year. Um and he chose Blade Runner, which is, you know, like the greatest Another sci-fi film of all time. Extremely
0: risky choice.
1: Exactly that.
0: But see, that's where I think you're nailing the positive. We want to talk about most exciting director. Let's talk about a guy that is making the riskiest choices in Hollywood.
1: Well, yeah, he's that's the thing. He's he's ambitious and he's making risky choices. But I think the, the way at which these come out are n- not necessarily his doing. Um, I you bring up Roger Deakins earlier. I think Roger is a like, very significant part of Denis' success. Um, Arrival, uh, Prisoners, he did Prisoners, right? Um, yeah, yeah. he's doing, did he do Dune? I don't know. But, um, he's, he is most of the reason why Denis' films look the way they do. Um, I know. But you can go
0: back and look at something like Polytechnique, which is an incredibly Mm -hmm. dark, it's a story about a school shooter, I mean, and that movie manages to elevate itself in a way. I mean, I see what you're saying, but it's, I wouldn't put... Uh, cinematography is huge, right? Yeah. Especially in Sicario. But but cinematography does not um, in isolation tell a story.
1: No, yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like he's really good at how he uses that. His scripts are unbelievable. The thing you mentioned about Arrival, I had no idea that was the thing. That's insane. I just... I would like to... you You mentioned how he attempts to tell these ideas in Arrival, and I think that's in every film. I think he's attempting to answer questions that are presented to him. Or at really least well. ask them. Yeah. yeah. And he asks the questions all the time. But I still don't fully know what he thinks about the stories he's telling. Um I I don't know much about him as so like, I, I,
0: I, I disagree with that a bit. I okay. think I think, you know, if you look at let's use arrival, which is yeah, but just, you, you you just use I he me I think he he asked – one of the most profound questions I think he asked in that film is is really simple, which is, again, if you knew how the future – if you knew there was heartbreak ahead of you, would you accept the moment
1: mm-hmm.
0: and would you accept that heartbreak or would you choose to forego it? And he does answer it. He answers it right there. Then he makes a very clear statement that he absolutely would. Amy Adams makes that decision, that that heartbreak is worth it. It, it ends her marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think – I do think we know enough about Denny through his films. I think if you look at something like Sicario, he, he's making a very clear statement about how we view, not just people, but in particular in this movie, a bit of social commentary, which is, look, you look at, you look at Mexico, you look at, you look at the, the CIA, you look at intelligence agencies, you look at the cartels, are any of these people good people? Right? And I think he's he's saying, you know, in some ways they're all the same. In some ways the CIA is making the same corrupt and immoral decisions that the cartel is making just across the border. Mm-hmm. Right? I yeah. mean, I, I I think I think it's if, – if if I want to levy this complaint, and I don't, but I think if we're going to levy it against anybody, I do think it's Wes sometimes who fails to answer some of the questions he poses.
1: That's – okay. That's fair. Um, you know what I mean? I have one smaller point that I want to bring out. And yep. you mentioned how you think Denis is more accessible than Wes. Um, I, would I agree. Do. I think Wes can be inaccessible sometimes, even though that is contradicting what I said earlier. I mean, <laughs> it's clear in the box office numbers that Denis maybe isn't as successful, at least as of recent. Correct. Um, well, I think yeah, Blade Runner for, is a good example. Correct. Blade. I just and I don't think they're inaccessible. They're just intimidating, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fair. Um, but I think his. Films don't have the grounded quality that they need to. I think capture the audience he wants. Um, that I
0: disagree with. I think. I think that I just. I think it's Anderson. There, uh, uh, forget Anderson for a minute. I think. I think Denny is is very capable of grounding his films. I think Arrival is a very grounded human story. I mean, me and Jordan talked mm-hmm. about this in the past, but I, I think. Blade Runner is, I think Blade Runner's box office performance was due to a multitude of factors. They did not know how to market that movie. Mm -hmm, The studio did not know how to market that movie. They marketed it poorly. Yeah, it was horrible. And I think another thing is is that we were talking about a relatively dormant franchise that by this time only really sci-fi and film fans cared about. Blade Runner wasn't a franchise. It was a movie, right? And so I think they, they... pounded this huge budget into this thing and I don't think they were quite aware of just how little fanfare there was going to be around Blade Runner in general mm-hmm. I think Arrival if I'm not mistaken does not support that um, kind of that, that that theory I think Arrival um, did fairly well if I'm not mistaken um, against mm-hmm. its budget and I think sure you can talk about how much money films make in the past but Arrival yeah Arrival $47 million against a uh, Billion dollar budget against a box office of 200 bill, so it's 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 not like he's losing money with every film, right? But I mm-hmm. do understand what you're saying. I do think there's a point there where it's I think both of these people are making movies that maybe aren't for my mom. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, okay. Anyways, Jordan, how much time I got?
2: Well, you guys, you guys were done. You guys are crossed <laughs> okay. over. I, I, you guys just <laughs> kept going on. I said time's up. You're like, nah. <laughs> I'm gonna keep talking, which is fine. That's alright. You got to get those points out. Uh, so I think that was some good discussion up in there. All right. Some, some good, some good banter back and forth, some good points on both sides. I'll definitely say that, you know, that's some, some good stuff. Well, thank for both you. West Very and ambiguous. Some good stuff for, uh, Denise. I know it's <laughs> like, where, where do I sit on this? Who knows? Find out. Yeah, I want to know it's what this guy has out. to say. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out later, but, um, yeah, now we're going to move into our, basically our wrap up, right? This is your, your final circuit. chance. Your no interjections. All right. So it's, it's two minutes on the clock. It's the panic time, all right? You get two minutes to put your summary together of why you think this director is the most exciting director working today. So, Carson, you're going to start it off two minutes on the clock and only two minutes. You go over. It's a two two minutes and one second. It's going to have problems, okay? Uh, so two minutes. We're starting whenever you're ready. Three. All in- right. Two, one, go. Whenever. <laughs> said, hold
0: on, hold on. Before we start, I just want to point out: Jordan goes whenever you're ready, and then goes three, two, one, giving <laughs> I you <know>, exactly. <laughs> I was like, clearly, I have to you wait. trip you up. Okay, go ahead,
1: go ahead. go. I'm just like tripping people up. <laughs> okay. Um, Car- so I do the thing about Wes Anderson. I made my arguments earlier. I still haven't really talked about his style and why that is so important. Why that is so significant to any filmmaker ever. Um, so I wanted to touch on that and why it's stronger than anyone else working today, including Denis, obviously. Um, I think this <laughs> argument is the easiest argument to make here because, you know, you just one look at any still from his films is, like I said earlier, it's like looking at a storybook or a diorama, um, or diorama. I think this is important because the more unique of a style you have as a filmmaker, the higher chance, of, or the higher of a chance you have at leaving a strong legacy. Um, I think... Wes is thinking not just in the moment right now, but in like how his films will look 50 years from now. Um, For example, if you Google best filmmakers of all time, and this isn't the strongest argument because it's just Googling. But if you Google (laughs) best filmmakers of all time and look at the first two that have since passed away, it's Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick, both of whom have a style that is completely unique still today and was completely unique in their time. And to have a style that can't be replicated for years to come, let alone while it's happening, that is, in my opinion, one of the greatest accomplishments you can have as a filmmaker and as an artist. Um, And don't get me wrong, Denis, we've addressed, has a clear style. He has a unique presentation to all his films. But once again, I think a lot of that gets watered down when you look at the fact that they're all shot by Roger Deakins. And Roger's voice gets a little too into his films at times. I mean... 30 seconds? 30 seconds. You could see 1917, it, it could look like a Denis Villeneuve uh, film technically, but moving on, you're creating a perspective and artistic voice that hasn't been seen before. To have a unique style is to invent a new way of seeing and experiencing the world around you. And I think Wes Anderson not only has that, but he's been executing this idea in the most blunt and charming way possible, pretty much unlike any filmmaker that, that has ever existed before. Um, and that is my point. And time, right Not at 159.9. I, 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 I hate
2: panic time so much. So, <laughs> so much that came out of Corsa's
0: mouth. 9. Just made me Just, want to open my mouth
2: so bad. <laughs> well, I hate Because guess what time it is? It's time for you to open up your mouth and talk about Denis Villeneuve whenever you're ready. One, two, three, three, two, one. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you when you're ready. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right, go.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, um,. Yeah, I think, I think Denis does something really exceptional with all of his films. It's something I did mean to mention earlier. It's And he says this. He says it over and over again, which is I think he believes, and I don't think this, I know he believes that um, the best thing a film can do is is show or, or is not show. It can suggest. And he always says that suggest, don't show. Suggest, don't show. And I think that, you know, if you look at Spielberg, I think that's what Spielberg's really great at too, which is, you know, the moment with the T Rex stomping in and, and the water, shaking in the car. I think it's more powerful than just showing the T Rex walking up. To the car, and it's moments like those that that Denis sprinkles throughout his films that I think really help ground them. Like we talked about, and I also think you know it's worth pointing out Denis was named director of the decade by the Hollywood Critics Association. The reason I point that out is simply because I think that there is just this universal understanding um, for or of Denis's work. That understanding being just. How exciting! Which is the conversation we're having? It really is right now. I think he, unlike Wes, at times it, he just challenges himself so much more, which I think is going to go, only going to make his films that much better. I mean, I, I used when I was writing uh, my argument. I just I, one example I kept coming back to, which is you know. There's these these oblong-shaped ships in Arrival that come and land on Earth, and that's what Denis wanted them to look like, right? And he had this he had to make this entire language. He wanted this language to work. He, he put together this entire language, but then he had to figure out, how do you have humans navigate a ship like this, right? How to, what, what, what does that look like? And that challenge took them almost a month to figure out, and th- those are the things that just, I think are missing in Wes's films, where he's not, I just don't know if he's pushing himself out of his comfort zone enough to grow and i think that's what denis is doing so exceptionally well and that's why i am so much more excited for doom than than french did you say time jordan
2: i said five seconds
0: oh well that's time (laughs) (laughs) let me let me get one sentence let me get one sentence i i do i do want to say that i just i think that is what makes Denis so much more exciting than almost anybody else working It's just like nolan at times and fincher it's just how much he's willing to challenge himself to grow Okay, like boom. Okay, Jordan. Boom. Now it's
2: now it's on to you, man. I mean, <laughs> All right. you, you know how this works. You have to make your call. I make my call, but I <laughs> want to make this clear to the audience listening. The, the my call does not dictate who wins. This is just my personal opinion, my thoughts based on the arguments and how I feel about it like that. You guys if you guys want to vote, you'll be doing that on the Patreon. There'll be a straw poll for you guys to vote uh for whether it's the director or the person either or That's how you do it. Uh, But I'm going to give my opinions on this. Now, I want to say I'm a huge fan of both directors. I think that's very... I think if you said you weren't, that'd be a pretty bold thing to say. Uh, (laughs) I agree. I, I think Wes Anderson is probably in terms of creativity, one of the most creative and dedicated to making the visions of art in his head to reality out there. And he has been growing and growing with every film that he has done. And I am excited for his next film. And Grand Budapest hotel is my favorite film from him. Uh, I just absolutely love know that what he, I I just love what he's able to do and get the actors to do. And they always seem like they're having a fun time creating something unique. And I think Mm -hmm. that speaks through his work, uh, when it comes to Denis Villeneuve, um, I think with his films, he is someone who constantly pushes himself to try and do new things, whether it's a different genre, working with many different actors, with different uh, people on set. like There's so much that he's willing to try and, and risk to create something to tell a story. And he's really good at telling human stories through vessels that are relatively unhuman. Arrival being the best example. It's a movie about aliens that has nothing to do... With aliens, Uh, Blade Runner, for example, 2049 is not only a properly done sequel to a film decades and decades later, but it's a film that transcends the first film. It enhances the first film now when you go back and watch it. In fact, I think has created a better film than the original Blade Runner. And I absolutely think that that may be the best sci-fi film of all time is Blade Runner 2049. Wow. Uh, for how many times I've watched Oof. it, for the studies I've done with that film, I absolutely am in love with that film. And I, it's one of my favorite films uh, regardless. And I'm very excited <laughs> to see how he handles Dune. If anyone right now can fix Dune, I, I, think, it's, I think it's Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> so um, his
0: argument was better.
2: Now, whose argument was better? That's that's tough. I, I was there was good arguments on both sides. I think both uh, players today, both Karsten, both Nerdstalgic, you know, came to play. I think this th- that's still the full argument. I'm going to give it to Nerdstalgic at the end of the day. Damn. I think there's still more solid points that I agree with, and I think are are fully fleshed out. I, I think that you, Carson, I think you did a great job defending and like really came here prepared uh, <laughs> and came with some good stuff with, 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 uh, with Wes Anderson. But, I want to
0: say something. I want to say something real quick. For those of you listening, you cannot include this in your decision who to vote on. I just do want to say that, and I really want to say this, I think it's really important. When Denis was making Blade Runner 2049, when he decided to take on that project, he said, and he has said this publicly, that he was prepared for that to be his last film. Because he knew that it was such a risk that it could kill his career, that that was going to be it. So I, I just want to say I don't know that Wes Anderson would ever make or has ever made a decision like that. Now, don't, don't Google their vote. I just I feel like I had to I had to say that I had to.
1: Carson, if you have another line, use it now to even it out. I have no other lines. You you, <laughs> okay. you, you just had to beat me while I was down, didn't you? You just had to <laughs> oh. get that last punch in. No, so, I. I uh, but yeah. the beatdown has not been decided just because of my opinion. Not at all. So, no.
2: So I mean, guys, this is all you, up to you guys. Exactly. You guys. <laughs> anybody who wants to
0: to vote on today whether it's me, Tyler. That is my name. <laughs> yes, Nerdstalgic <laughs> um, is here. Whether it's me, Nerdstalgic, or Karsten, You guys decide who wins. You guys decide who gets the points. Every single vote literally matters because every single vote shifts a percentage. That's an extra point for me or Karsten if you think Carsten had a better had a better game today basically uh, vote for him if you thought it was me vote for me um, but Karsten, um hopefully you had fun you'll be back for Oh, the absolutely rest of the season I mean okay, hopefully. cool so your vote <laughs> your vote will not boost boot Karsten anywhere or me anywhere we'll both be back in time for the playoffs you you guys decide how this goes though so uh, place your votes it's on the nostalgic patreon um, I do want to say really quickly, because um, I don't know that Carson's going to do this himself because I think he's too nice, but uh, <laughs> if if you're just getting here and you don't know who Carson Runquist is, um, it, Carson knows it's not a joke, and Jordan for sure knows this is not a joke. Um, but Carson doesn't know. So I've, been ta- I've been talking Carson up to Jordan for like a year. Um, Literally,
2: probably one of the first times we spoke, I think we we, we brought him up. And, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, if you don't know who
0: if you don't know who Carson is, and I'm going to inflate the shit out of his ego right now. If you don't know who Carson is, um, his YouTube channel, Carson One Chris, pretty easy to find. Uh, but it is, it is wholly unique. It is really unlike anything else on YouTube. Um, it doesn't get to video SAE, I don't think. I think it, it, it's really a just a channel about film. It doesn't try to be, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you intend to do something else. But <laughs> the vibe I get from Carson's channel is that it's not trying to be anything. It's just a reflection of Karsten and his opinions and the things he loves. And I think that's so special um, on YouTube to just really see something that feels really organic and natural. Um, so if you want some really genuine opinions on film and movies and, and, and festivals that he sometimes goes to, Carsten, um, <laughs> I'll let or you fur. finish this. <laughs> um, hey.
1: Tell people about your Twitter <laughs> and your channel. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate that. Um but I yeah, job?
0: I feel like I did a great job talking. About oh
1: you. yeah, for you hype me up more than anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to check out my channel, honestly, the best way to find it is searching just Karsten with a K, K A R S T E N. It should be the first thing that pops up. That's the one thing I got going for me. I, I am the most popular Karsten on YouTube. I think. Uh, it's worth pointing out that there's a, probably a lot of people listening to this right now that are coming from Karsten already and we're boring <laughs> you, so I'm sorry. So we'll get hey. away from this in <laughs> a second. But Karsten, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is uh, Runquist Karsten, and uh, my Instagram is Karsten Runquist. So, yeah, so
0: if you're a Karsten fan and you're here from Karsten's um, post or whatever, uh, yeah, you know where to vote for him. Yeah. Um, let your support known, uh, Jordan, Jordan's another person who uh, kind of echoes a lot of uh, what I think about Carson's channel, which is that it's just really, it's really a reflection of Jordan. Jordan, you want to talk about what you do?
2: Yeah, uh, I have Electric Pop. It's a place where I talk about movies. I do talk about video games on there. So it's just my opinions and thoughts on things I like and sometimes don't like. But I, I like to talk about the things I like a lot, and uh, which is uh, movies and video games. So
0: Best elevator pitch
2: ever. I like to talk <laughs> about the things I like i will talk about things I like. Why, do you, I'm not going to sit here talking about things I don't like all the day. That, that just done. sounds bad for my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your What's your Twitter? My Twitter is at JordanFringe94. Cool. Nice.
0: Um, so let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, Carson will be back. Um, not competing against me next time. It will be somebody else. But um, I think the next episode is me versus middle eight, if you guys want to tune in mm-hmm. and then – um middle eight is a awesome youtuber as well so i'm pretty excited for that uh that conversation we think is going to be is christopher nolan overrated so that's a real oh, risky <laughs> Um that's a topic so, um and next time you see karsten he will be competing against who knows we haven't uh figured that part out yet but awesome. um yeah i, I do want to thank karsten for being here thank jordan for being here um Thanks really quickly me. karsten do you want to talk about carscast
1: Oh, yeah, I wanted to, j- real quick, um, I do have a podcast of my own. It's called KarstCast. I don't know why we didn't call it Podkarst. That would have been much better. would have been awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I host it with my pal Jeff, and we uh, have very casual conversations about a movie, a random movie every week, um, where we get off topic on purpose. Much less structured than this is, but you should check it out. It's a good time.
0: Yeah, and if, uh, if those of you from here from Karsten... The, you already know where to find it but if you're here from from me or jordan where, where do you find that carson
1: that is on it's on pretty much every podcast platform you can get it on youtube apple music spotify soundcloud just search cars so. Beautiful. So to tell you
0: guys about the future of, he, of here, if you're here, if you're a patron, that's awesome. Um, Nostalgic Patreon is just, it's going to be a huge platform for me. It's basically going to be my new YouTube. I'll still upload Nostalgic videos to YouTube, but this is where you're going to be able to find Film Panic. It's where you're going to be able to find Film Panic Plus and our second podcast, um, which we're hoping to have Carson on at some point, uh, where it's where you're going to find the entirety of Nostalgic reviews. So multiple movies a week. Basically, if you're here as a patron, you're going to get Three to four pieces of content a week, um, is the idea. I, I really just, if you're here, you know. A week. A, a week. <laughs> I don't. That, was, that felt sarcastic. Um, <laughs> I, I, I hate you right now. Um, I'm just. I'm the
2: hype man. I'm hyping it up. A
0: week. Um. um so you're gonna get that. It's really just it's a platform for me to be able to talk to you guys more and put out the content that has, I don't have to filter it at all. I don't have to worry about taking parts out for copyright or anything that's going on. Um, So yeah, that's what this is for. Um, So if you're here, we appreciate it. Um, Just, I thank you. And yeah, we will see you on the next episode of film panic. You guys good. Perfect. Yeah. All right. We'll See you guys next time. Bye.